0: Hey guys, this is Vanessa Dyer, and I'm the Charlotte, North Carolina based lifestyle blogger behind thecheekybean.com. With several successful years as a business owner, a first time mom, and a deep passion for health and wellness, I'm here to share my honest, unfiltered advice on all things motherhood, relationships, travel, and more. So grab a coffee and join the conversation. This is the Cheeky Bean Podcast. hello 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 welcome back to the cheeky bean podcast i am finally back after being under the weather with a nasty cold for the last week and i have missed you guys it's actually been more like 10 days this one really kicked my butt but today on the podcast we have elizabeth king from sleep baby consulting elizabeth is an expert on all things baby and sleep Think sleep training, the best baby products, schedules, how to adjust while traveling, etc. She has helped over 850 families just last year. She's been a consultant to several families in the NFL and the NBA, and she has a team of six across the country. On this episode, we discuss how I worked with Elizabeth to prepare for having a newborn. She helped me lengthen Liam's naps and create a schedule that works. Liam has been sleeping 12 hours a night since he was 12 weeks old, and I have found some of our favorite baby items through her. She's a wealth of knowledge and a true lifesaver if you value your sleep. So if you're pregnant, thinking about getting pregnant, or a mom, this episode is for you. With that, let's welcome Elizabeth to the podcast. All right, I'm here with Elizabeth. Welcome thanks for
1: having me i'm so excited to be here i know i'm
0: excited you're here you've helped us so much with liam oh my gosh he's the cutest i just thank you thank you so i had no idea that sleep training was such a big thing until we had liam and then i started sharing little tidbits of our experience with sleep on instagram stories and the questions around this topic were insane so my DMs were chock full with questions around what we were doing, and I would love for you to just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us how you got into this line of work because
1: it really is a big deal to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it is such a big deal. I think we all want to get great sleep. So, um, yes, yeah, so I'm Elizabeth. I'm the CEO of Sleep Baby, and we have been around for five years. Um, we have grown from just me to a team of six across the U.S. So our headquarters are here in Charlotte, but we work with families all over the world. We do a lot of virtual stuff. Um, when my first son was born almost nine years ago, I knew we were not going to be able to make it without good sleep. We, we, my husband and I, we need a lot of sleep. And so I started looking into how to make that happen. Um, and it sort of evolved from there. I became very passionate about baby sleep. And then I learned that sleep consulting was actually a job that I could pursue. And finally, after a lot of pushing and shoving from some friends, I decided I was going to go out on my own and do this. And it has grown. I mean, it's just amazing how the business has grown and where we have come, how far we've come. Um, It's really great.
0: Yeah, you guys are doing awesome. you have people all over the southeast correct yeah so we have um, Charlotte Jacksonville Atlanta
1: and then also someone in Denver okay yeah and then you can do virtual for people nationwide oh yeah we've worked with people in India um, in the Middle East lots of people in Europe Um, so we work all over the US and internationally oh my gosh India that's crazy yeah it's really interesting working with different cultures um, yeah because not everyone lives their life the same way we do in the US (laughs) no kidding and the time change is probably tough too, right yeah even our Alaska and Hawaii clients, they take a good bit of scheduling to figure out all of that and um, think about Alaska when it is sunny, you know, almost 24 yeah. hours a day. Oh, I didn't even that's think about such that. a difference so it it's fun, but it's a really cool and stretching experience to get to work with these different
0: families. That's awesome. Okay, walk us through the big hitters with sleep training. Uh, you have the baby, you come home and then what? At what age do you start a, a routine or what age should you start a routine
1: yeah i think um i think the biggest question that everybody has with sleep training is like cry it out am i gonna have to cry it out i don't believe in cry it out i don't want crying and so people want to know when am i going to have to do this and i actually think starting at the beginning is the best way to go i think that's what you guys really did with liam Yeah, is really starting little bits of routine little bits of habit building from the beginning, it makes such a difference and really eliminates a lot of that crying situation. Yes. Um, but I think, you know, I love when you bring your baby home from the hospital to when you feel comfortable, start working on things like eat awake sleep, where they eat, then they have a little bit of awake time, and then they go to sleep instead of just feeding them to sleep. Um, really working on establishing feeding that goes hand in hand with good sleep. And my advice to parents is always as you feel ready, that's when it's the right time to start you know start that early bedtime when you want some space in the evening when you want to be able to put your baby down and have a little time without him touching you yeah then that's time for early bedtime that's awesome so we started like our personal
0: story we started with liam fairly early i feel like right around the two and a half week mark i was like okay i feel like we need to implement some type of routine i'm a very regimented person and so for me i like to know when i'm gonna have free time or when he's supposed to eat and that really worked for us, is there a time that it becomes too late
1: to start a routine? Yeah, I don't think there ever is a too late. So the big kind of numbers that we look at, around 12 weeks is when most babies, outside of any medical condition, have the ability to learn to self-soothe, which is put themselves to sleep um, totally independently. A lot of babies can do it earlier, but that's when we really can start working on that. Four months, six months are other big milestones that a lot of parents decide we're gonna wait and really start working on sleep training, you know, at that yeah. time. As far as a routine goes, I think there is never a wrong time to start. If you have a five-year-old and you've been flying by the seat of your pants for five years, I would like you to tell me how you did that. But yeah. also, it's fine. You can Seriously. start now. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's there's never too early or too late to start just a good routine. I mean, just like you and I, babies thrive off of routine, consistency, They want to know what to expect. We can't talk to them in the same way that you and I can say like, oh, here's what I'm going to do today. But having the same kind of pattern every day makes a huge difference for them. Okay.
0: So I know you came in, took a look at Liam's nursery for us to make sure that we were doing everything correctly and that his environment was set up for the best possible sleep that he could have. Uh, But what should their environment be like? What are the essential safe sleep practices and maybe items that you would recommend to alleviate some of the anxiety that comes with new moms and baby sleeping.
1: Yes. Totally. I love this. I love talking to parents helping them get ready for their baby because there's so much unknown and when it comes to baby gear, I mean, there's so much out there. You Tons. could buy you could buy everything. I yeah. mean, and you don't need it. So, your nursery was absolutely perfect and <laughs> Thank what you, you want is like Blackout curtains and a sound machine; those are the two big things that I say you're definitely going to want those. They really help kind of mimic the environment that your baby had in the womb, dark and loud. Yep. So keep that going. Um, we really are big fans of swaddling, and then I also, as far as safe safe sleep goes, we follow the AAP guidelines. So whether you're room sharing or the baby's in their own room, they need to be in their own crib or bassinet, flat bed, lying flat on their back, nothing in there with them, just a sheet. That's really the best for safe sleep. That's what we encourage. Um, And then the other thing that I like is a baby monitor. There are a ton out there with all kinds of different capabilities. I typically stick to a pretty standard video monitor. um, And what I encourage parents to do is keep the video off until you hear them. Use it as an audio monitor because... Most of us, probably I would guess 99 to 100% of moms are struggling with anxiety when we bring our baby home. Yes. It is so great to be able to see what they're doing and know what's going on. Keeping too close of an eye on that is just going to heighten that anxiety for you. Yes. And so I, would I really say keep the volume low um, on the monitor, especially when you're sleeping. Keep the video off. When you hear them, that's your clue. Turn on the video. You don't need to be watching them all day long, all night long. It's just going to make you more anxious and make it impossible for you to sleep.
0: Right. What baby monitor is your favorite? If you had to pick one,
1: yeah, I've seen a lot of great ones. Um, one that I really like right now is um called Vava. Oh yeah. I like it because I am so nervous about doing a Wi-Fi monitor. We have never yeah. done one, and the more I hear about them getting hacked, like I don't, I'm not like a typically afraid of that kind of thing. But this is just a contained base. Also, if you have a monitor that uses your phone as the parent console you've got to have an ipad or a computer or something like that if you're ever going to leave your baby with a babysitter and so that is something that i was just like it's easier just to get the one contained monitor for that
0: yeah i've actually heard some scary stories about the ones that
1: connect to wi-fi people hacking into them and yeah it just doesn't feel great i know it's the you know we have family members who love it because they can check on their baby when they're away from home yes and that is cool but i feel like there's pros and cons to both so for me personally I just stick with the standard video monitor that just connects in your house okay
0: yeah we have both we have one that is on our phones and yes to your point I love it because when we do have a babysitter or yeah. we're out of town yeah, and my mother-in-law is watching him or my parents I can see him which provide some level of comfort, but when we're home, we primarily use um, it's VTech and it's yeah. there's no Wi-Fi, so yes. it's just radio radio frequency. No one can ever hack it. We do have yes. a monitor, but you can just turn the audio on on it too. Yeah, and it was really inexpensive, but honestly, it's great for traveling because it's really True. compact and there's no setup because you just turn the
1: screen on. Yes, and totally. you don't have to like go through a setup process like if you had a Wi-Fi monitor. Yeah, exactly, I love it, and I mean, we traveled with our baby monitor for years because I yeah. would just be like be able to sit on the balcony of a hotel room right. or have them in a different room. And it just made you feel so much more comfortable. Yes. But yeah, I, I totally
0: it. agree. We, we do the same thing. Um, what are some common
1: mistakes that you see people make in terms of sleep? Yeah, I think, you know, my philosophy around sleep is if it's working for you, as long as it's safe, I don't care what you do, do whatever. Um, and that is totally fine with me because Every family is so different. And everything that I've said I would never do, I have totally done as a parent. And I think, you know, parenting is the one job that has no manual. We don't know what we're doing. We're all kind of finding our way. So when it comes to mistakes, I mean, there's things that I recommend people do for sure. But if you don't want to do it and it works for you, that's fine. So, like, one really typical issue that a lot of families come to us is I'm stuck nursing my baby to sleep. And the pediatrician has said they don't need to eat in the middle of the night, but that's how they fall asleep. And they're still waking up. Three, four times a night to eat and they're eight months old. For some families, that works great. But for a lot of families, it's exhausting. It's stressful. If you're in a position where you feel like, I don't know how to stop this, that's where we like to step in and help and really help you adjust to something that's going to work for your family so everyone can get sleep. Because, you know, I think we underestimate how much we need sleep until you're not getting it. And even as a parent, you know, it's important for the baby to get sleep. It's important for us to get sleep, yes. too. And so it gets to a point where you're exhausted. If you need to make a change, that's where we're here to help. So nursing to sleep or feeding to sleep is really typical issue that people come to us with where you just kind of get stuck doing something you don't know how to undo it right what would you
0: recommend for so for somebody who's in that situation what's a great way for them to kind of wean off those night feeds if their baby doesn't need it anymore yeah
1: for sure one of the best ways is just to make sure they're getting plenty during the day so a breastfed baby needs about 25 ounces of breast milk during the day formula needs about 28 to 32 ounces every day So if you can kind of start to either do weighted feeds or bottles and check and see how much they're getting, make sure they're getting enough during the day. And then also you can just start decreasing what you're offering at night. So if you have a baby who's getting a significant amount of ounces or calories in the middle of the night and they don't need that, we call it reverse cycling. And so you want to decrease what they're taking at night, increase what they're taking during the day and help them sort of switch that around to a more appropriate feeding schedule okay and when you say weighted feeds what does that mean yeah so for breastfed baby you know obviously it can be very difficult to know exactly yes. how much they're getting and so you can either rent or buy or just go to your pediatrician's office to use a specialized scale that will you'll weigh your baby before and then you'll weigh their baby your baby after they feed Eat, you okay. know exactly how much milk they took in. Okay,
0: I did this. We have the hatch. Yes. Um, And I loved that for yeah. that reason. Because in the beginning, when I was breastfeeding, I wasn't quite sure that Liam was, he was acting like he wasn't getting enough milk, yeah. but I, I wasn't really sure because I couldn't, you know. You can't yeah, you can't tell. tell. Yeah. Um, And as soon as we got the hatch, we would do, we'd weigh him before. I'd breastfeed, we'd weigh him after. Yes. And it was so nice to be able to see like, okay, this is how much he was taking in. Exactly. And that changed a lot for him in terms of, I I knew that I needed to supplement a little bit at some point because I couldn't eventually couldn't keep up anymore. Which right,
1: I know that's another whole anxiety is breastfeeding. Yeah, I mean, there's so much around that. Well, and I remember. Like when I had my kids, my hormones were made me really angry all the time. <laughs> oh. Especially towards my husband. And I remember being like, Okay, I fed him. Please just put him down, put him down. And he would come out of the room five minutes later, like, he's hungry again. And I would just want to pull my hair out because yeah. I'm like, I just fed him for 30 minutes. What right. so being able to do weighted fees is super helpful. There are some amazing lactation resources out there. Yeah. Even with my third, um, I spent a lot of time at the lactation office. Get, doing weighted feeds, getting tips, learning how to do it better because it is breastfeeding is hard. People act yeah. like it should just be easy. And one of my friends says it's natural, but it doesn't always come naturally. Yes, and it doesn't always work the way that you think it should. Right. It's it's hard.
0: Yeah. It it is hard. And I, I think that's something that I really underestimated as being a yeah. mom because when I wasn't breastfeeding, I was pumping. Yes. And while I had the LV and that was great, it also didn't pull nearly as much milk as right. The spectra, which was plugged into the wall, and then I couldn't move. move. Yep. And that also added another layer of stress so that I wasn't much. prepared for. Yeah. And to your point, like my husband just didn't. He, they don't understand. You know, no. they're not. No. They're not there. They're they not, don't get it. Yeah, they're not able to do that. So I was so frustrated by month four of like. Yeah. I felt like I was just a like a milk production
1: factory. Oh, totally. Yeah, you're just feeding them all the time. You're feeding. You're pumping. You're doing a bottle. Yes. And you just don't know, am I doing something wrong? Is it something in the milk? Are they getting enough? Are they not getting enough? It's just, it's a lot and it can increase anxiety. And feeding and sleep are so closely related. If your baby's hungry, they're not going to be able to sleep. And so then you're just on this hamster wheel of terrible things. You know, you're stressed about feeding. You're stressed about sleep. Neither one's happening. And so that's where I really always feel so glad to be able to come to moms and say like, okay, let's break this down little by little. Let's address each one of these problems specifically and really help them so that your baby can sleep, so you can rest. I mean, my goal is always that parents feel more confident after they've worked with us because I have been there. I have been a lost mom who didn't know what she was doing. (laughs) We all have, and we don't always have, you know, a friend to come alongside and say, oh, this is what you should do. And so that's, we always hope to be that for people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the snoo? I was amazed at how popular this oh option was for bassinets and that how many people were spending $1,200 on a bassinet, yeah. which we ended up not going that route because I felt like, OK, let's just see what kind of sleeper he is. Yeah. We'll use something that's a little bit more traditional. And if, for whatever reason, we get a few months down the road and it's just not working for us, then we can always rent the snoo or we can buy yeah. this new if we really feel like we needed it. And we ended up not needing it, which was great for our wallets. Yeah. But I, like my biggest question around it was, do babies then start relying on that rocking motion to fall asleep? Or is this something that truly is a great option for people right yeah. off the bat and they don't have that issue weaning them off
1: of the rocking motion? Yeah. Oh my gosh, this new. I mean, this is probably our- so popular. So popular. Honestly, it amazes me how many people have it because of yeah. how expensive it is. And that's yes. a lot of money. It's a it's ton a of, lot money. of money. And
0: I felt, I felt like the majority of the people that I asked
1: were- either had it or rented it or yeah. were pro snoo. Well, even renting it, you end up spending about the same amount of money. Right. It feels like less, but it's basically the same amount. Right. And um, it's so much. That's one of my biggest hangups with it is that especially the more you hear about more people having it, the more it feels like a must-have. Yeah. And then you get these moms that are like, I got to spend $1,200 on a bassinet I only use for five months. Like, right. It's so much. So that's a big hangup. But for me, even bigger than that is exactly what you said. I would say... In my experience, 20% of the time it works as designed. They start in the snoo, they're able to wean off of it, move to the crib, no problem. Another 80% of the time, it doesn't work that way. And okay. um, I feel like more often than not, you either have a baby who is used to the motion when they're sleeping, they're used to the constant motion, or even just the unweaning mode. It's not constantly going, but as soon as they start crying, it goes. Um, Yeah, And so they're used to that. And that is a big transition at five or six months old. Think about what Liam was doing, you know, rolling, maybe sitting up, going through so many huge developmental leaps and you're switching them to the crib that's not moving. It's a really tough time. A lot of changes Mm -hmm. all at once. Yeah. And I think parents, honestly, it feels like it's going to make life so much easier, but it does a disservice to us as parents because when think about bringing home your baby, A newborn is the easiest to soothe as they're ever going to be. Their needs are pretty straightforward, right? And that's the time that you want to spend learning. Oh, my baby loves it if I put my hand on their chest. My baby loves it if I rub his head. Finding out what soothes your baby is so much easier as a newborn. Instead of letting the bassinet do it, we say be a student of your child. Learn what makes them comfortable in their bed. And so then, at five or six months old, when they're going through all this stuff, you're not trying to learn that for the first time, right? So I really think that I. Think that it's better, and honestly, just to like plug us. I mean, we can help you get your baby sleeping yeah. for way cheaper than twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I I feel like you have
0: a really good point on learning the cues because yeah. that you know you have to figure out okay why is he crying? Like he's, right. he's got a clean diaper, he's been fed, he's had enough food. Yeah, and so for us that was a big learning experience because there were certain things that he really liked that were soothing to him, but we would never have known that if right. something else was doing the soothing
1: for us exactly i mean think about your baby they're curled up in your belly for nine months and then we lay them flat in a crib by yeah. themselves it's going to take some adjustment for them to get comfortable yes. in there and so helping your baby learn and you learning i mean it's yeah. such a bonding and growing experience and it's so important it's going to help you so much as they grow and so i really just think keep at it you don't need this new i think it's cool if it worked perfectly i would be you know amazed but it is a very cool idea but I just don't think it's a must have.
0: Okay. I like that. Okay, so say someone has a 4-month-old, what time should they be beginning the bedtime routine?
1: Yeah, I love this. 4 months is an age, you know, 4-month sleep regression, hot topic for sleep. Like this is the yes. age and um, we struggled with that. It's it is so hard. So at 4 months old, a lot of people don't know this, their brain is actually changing the way that they sleep. So that's why this regression happens. Um, As a newborn, they don't have as defined sleep stages, and at four months old, that starts to really pick up. And so that's where you see all the sleep disruption. It is a great age to work on consistent bedtime, routines, independent sleeping, if you haven't done that yet already, because it's also before they have really ingrained habits. So it's a great time for that. Um, As far as bedtime goes, I usually like to start with like a 7 p.m. bedtime, and that's the start of their bedtime, so their routine would include a feeding. It might include a bath, it might not. They don't have to be in the crib asleep at seven. Start their bedtime routine at seven, or if you have a baby who has to get up really early for daycare or something like that, 12 hours after they wake up. We really want to keep that early bedtime. It is so counterintuitive as an adult, But staying, keeping them up late actually is way worse for their sleep. The earlier they go to bed, the longer they tend to sleep, right? Yeah, it's amazing. If your baby ever has a bad day, I always say like put them down early, do an early bedtime Don't wake them up early. Don't expect them to get up early. It's going to help them sleep longer. It's amazing how their bodies work. Does it work the same way for toddlers or is that mainly in that infant stage? Yeah, I would say still the same. Even, you know, my four-year-old, if he has a rough day or he's up late, he's up early the next morning. Yeah. Um, A lot of parents I'll talk to, like, as we get into summer, oh, we just decided to move bedtime back and now they're waking up early. I'm like, that's why. We got to keep that early bedtime. Yeah. It definitely helps. I mean, kids need 11, 12 hours of sleep I would say in through preschool into elementary school, then it sort of cuts down. And then as they get into preteen teenage years, they need more sleep again, but um, they need a lot of sleep and their bodies are not made to function like an adult. I mean, most of us get what six to eight hours of sleep at night. Right. Kids can't handle that.
0: Okay. So let's talk naps. William's obviously in that toddler phase yeah. now.
1: What is a normal length of time for one nap a day? Yes. We would love when they're like 18 months old, getting one nap, um, one two-hour nap in the afternoon. So okay. we really want it to be in the afternoon. That's what um, science really has shown us is their most restorative rest okay. to have that afternoon stretch. So the way we usually lay it out is that they would go down for their nap roughly six hours after they woke up. Sleep for about two hours and then have about four hours between the end of that nap and okay. bedtime. It gets a so little six hours of awake time before. prior to the nap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It can get a little different for babies and you know, daycare that can all be a little bit different, but that's kind of what we start with. Okay. Yeah. I have heard that the daycare nap is a struggle yeah it is it's um, it's tough you know one of the girls on our staff actually owns a daycare which is amazing and I've learned so much from her um, just about how to make that work really well but it can be especially during the first year most daycare classes are set up that the classes for kids under year old They nap whenever you want them to. They'll take your schedule, but the lights are probably all on. Other kids are not sleeping at the same time. Right. And that's really challenging. I couldn't do that. I was about to say, say, as an adult, I can't even sleep like that. No way. (laughs) So usually after a year, it gets a little bit better because they have a consistent class nap. Okay. Um, But that also means they're usually dropping babies down to one nap at 12 months, and a lot of kids aren't ready for that. So usually by 18 months or so, Kids are kind of really getting into a good rhythm with daycare. Um, Some babies have no problems. They nap totally fine at daycare the whole time. Some daycares are amazing in the ways that they work for you about your child's nap. So if that's something you have a concern about, I always tell parents, Talk to your teachers. Talk to the director. You're not going to be the first one who's ever asked about this. Yeah, and see what you can do. And also, if you're looking at daycares, ask them about what do you do for naps. What do you do if a baby is not napping? There's definitely there's laws and and regulations surrounding what daycares can and can't do, but they usually really want to help. I mean, they want the kids to sleep too. Yeah, of
0: course. So 18 months old, they take around a two-hour nap. That should be the average. If they sleep longer than two hours, do you just let them take their sleep or should you wake them up?
1: Yeah, I usually at this age, if they sleep longer, I don't have a problem with it. Um, If you start to notice, okay, he takes a three-hour nap, every afternoon and he's not falling asleep till 10 o'clock at night. Okay, that's an issue. But if he just takes two and a half hour, three hour nap sometimes and he just needed it, totally fine. Maybe he was sick, maybe he was growing, maybe he just didn't sleep great the night before. Who knows? I think that's totally fine as long as it's not impacting other things. Okay. Is there a cutoff that they definitely should be awake by in the afternoons? Um, I think it depends on your baby. I know some two-year-olds who could take three, three and a half hour nap and they only need three hours of awake time between the end of that nap and bedtime and they sleep 12 hours at night. Kids okay. have different sleep needs in the same way that adults do, um, especially once you get to this age. Under the first year, you can pretty much chart where they need to be, but as they get into toddlerhood, they get a little more individual. Usually by age three, most kids have dropped their nap. So in Liam's, next year like after his second birthday you'll start to see that like maybe he needs less nap time some kids decrease that on their own other kids you have to start waking them up so i start with that two hour threshold and then if you're noticing really late bedtimes or early morning wake-ups then say, okay, let's start decreasing his nap little by little. Okay. So by three, they're typically no naps. Most of the time. I would say 75% of okay. Some hold on to it. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I know. I know. <laughs> that seems like it's really, it's far away, but it seems, seems like it's really close, close Well, by. listen, yeah. I just transition all my kids and I always recommend to transition to a quiet time instead okay. of the nap. So I will put oh, them good in advice. their crib or in their room as long as it's safe, you know, nothing yeah. they can pull down. But just in their crib, I use like a green light clock to help them know when it's time to get up, give them some toys, leave the lights on, and just say, we're just going to have quiet time, just rest your body time, or we're just going to play independently. You might have to work up to, you know, a decent length, but you can get to an hour and a half or so of quiet time okay. where they are getting some independent play. They're still getting rest. You're still getting a little bit of a break, but they are not necessarily sleeping. Okay. So you just put them in their
0: room, lights on. Yep. Either in the crib or somewhere in the room with books or toys, and yeah. then... I mean, obviously, you should probably watch them on the monitor, right? Yeah, I
1: kind of keep an eye on it. I make sure before we start this, you know, especially if they're not going to be in the crib, that furniture's bolted down. There's nothing they can pull down on themselves. And we also sort of go through the toys and do a little bit of a purging or just redistributing. You know, we don't want anything that is super stimulating, has small pieces. You know, we want, like, lots of books and – really basic, you know, like your wooden toys, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and we just put them in there. You might start with fifteen minutes and then make the light like I love the hatch light where it can yes, turn green. We have that. So turn it green after 15 minutes, go in there, oh my gosh, Liam, you did such a great job. And then two days later- Is it red while they're supposed to be
0: having the quiet time? Yeah, And then it flips green when they're ready to be Totally, yeah.
1: I think it depends on the kid, but we love to use red for bed, green for go. Okay. So whenever you're supposed to be in bed, it's red, and whenever it's green, you can get up. Okay. And so by three, he'll be at a totally different place developmentally, this will be (laughs) so different than where he is now. But you'll know if the nap is impacting his nighttime sleep- and you just start to say, okay, we're just going to switch to this. Start with fifteen minutes, increase to twenty-five minutes, and sort of work your way up from there. Okay. Um, independent play, regardless of the rest time, is so valuable for our yeah. kids to learn. Um, it's a pre-reading skill. It helps them get ready for learning at school. It is so important, and so it's a really great practice to just get going with your kids, even outside of the rest for um, rest time.
0: Okay. I'm taking notes. So yeah. I'm going to do this. That's I've never heard that before, and I feel like that's such yeah. a great. I mean, you still get that time during Mm -hmm. the day. If you can work up to an hour and a half, you know, as a mom, if you're working from home or, you know, you need to get something done downstairs. But it sounds like also developmentally, it's really beneficial to them too. So good
1: for them. It is so good. We have um, a play therapist that we work with a lot. And she says all the time, you know, it's important for our kids to know how to be independent. That's when they explore. You know, we find ourselves doing so much for our kids. Yeah. Let them learn how to do some things on their own. Um, It's really great. And honestly, even now, my kids are older, um, I still often have a quiet time during the summers in the afternoon. We all need a break from each other. Yes. And so this is just a pattern in our family that we've had since they were little. And they just know, okay, we're going to just go to our rooms for an hour and you're going to play quietly. And then you're going to clean up and come out. And it's just a pattern that we have – done they know how to do it they've always done it and I think it works really well for our family amazing yeah I love that
0: so much yeah we all need a break (laughs) yes we do very much so okay since we're still talking about naps I want to talk about short naps because that was something that we struggled with that you helped us with tremendously yeah Liam has always been such a great sleeper at night you know he's had no issues with doing seven to seven or eight to eight now but his naps for a long time when he was younger were really short. Yes. And that was so frustrating because, you know, the schedule says they're supposed to be sleeping an hour and a half at least. And Liam was doing maybe 30 minutes some yeah. days. And so I was ready to rip my hair out. And I feel like that's a common problem that a lot of people struggle, struggle with, especially totally. when they switch schedules. Yeah. So what is your advice or what are your tips or hacks for yeah. short naps?
1: Yeah. So – um, this is super common. I always say that I would be more surprised if a baby did not take short naps. It's okay. just normal. Just like us, babies sometimes have off days, and sometimes that's all it is. It's just it was a rough day. We need to reset and start yes. tomorrow. Um, other times it's the timing, especially like you said during a schedule transition. You know, we can have in my our mind, okay, six-month-old baby, this is what time his naps should be. But babies are individuals. We might need to adjust that a little bit. So looking really critically at the schedule that you're doing is this timing right? I always tell people there's a great tip for knowing how to adjust their schedule. If they take a short nap and they wake up happy, that usually means they were under-tired before they went down. He needed more awake time. If he takes a short nap and he wakes up crying, he was probably overtired before he went down. Um, and so he needed a little bit less awake time. So you can adjust the schedule okay. there. Um, and then the other piece of it is that, Even with older babies, we still want to teach their body when they're supposed to be sleeping. We are so quick as parents to be like, okay, well, that nap was crap. I'm going to just throw (laughs) in the towel. We're getting them up, and that's over. But we need them to know this is nap time. This is when we're still sleeping. And so whether that means going into their room and soothing them and settling them down, occasionally that might mean helping them extend their nap through holding or contact, especially for like an infant, um, helping them extend their nap or just giving them some toys so they can play quietly in their crib until it's time to get up. Okay. We need their bodies to know this is not time to get up just yet. If we build the habit that the second you open your eyes, mom's coming to get you, then they're going to keep trying that for yeah. sure. So yeah. making sure their schedule is right, making sure that you are adjusting you know, based on the cues they're showing, that we're teaching their body when they're supposed to be sleeping. And I know Liam was already doing this, but for a lot of babies, making sure that they are self-soothing, that they put themselves completely to sleep. Um, When I say self-soothing, I mean they go into their crib wide awake, they're not drowsy, you put them down, walk away, and they can put themselves to sleep. Um, The difference is if they are getting drowsy even, or they're feeding to sleep, or you're rocking them to sleep and transferring, when they wake up after one 30 or 40 minute sleep cycle, they need that same help to connect their sleep cycles and go back to sleep. And so if that's not happening, you know, if you're not going in there and rocking them back to sleep, they're gonna be stuck, they don't know how to put themselves back to sleep. And so that's a really big skill if you're seeing tons of short naps and you've tried everything, That might be what's going on. And I love snuggling and rocking my babies when they're sleepy too. I know. But if you're seeing like they just can't nap or they're waking up all night, it might mean it's time to make a change. Okay. I'm a sucker for that. Liam can
0: definitely put himself to sleep. And there are some days that we do that. But I also just love rocking him. I'm like, I feel like this time is so short. Yeah. Whereas he's not the snuggliest during the day. Like he really isn't the most like cuddly affectionate kid because he's yeah. so busy. So that's oh, like yeah. my only time during the day where I'm like, all right, I know I can sit here with him and I can rock him. Totally. And... But I did want to ask, so when he wakes up in the morning, he's really happy. Mm-hmm. He, he can, he plays with his stuffed animals. He will talk to himself. Yeah. He'll kind of hang out until someone comes and gets him. But he takes a full nap, mm-hmm. usually anywhere between two and three hours in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. But when he wakes up from those naps, he's always waking up crying. And I, I, my, gut feeling with this is that he does that because that's his way of saying, come get me, I'm awake. Yeah. So is that normal, even though he's taking a good... A good yes. nap? Yeah. And how do we get away from that too?
1: Yeah. So as a toddler, I would say that's super normal. If okay. you have a child who's waking up from a long nap crying, I'm not thinking he's overtired. Okay. Um, I think there's two things. Either he's waking up like right in the middle of dead sleep, you know, when your alarm goes off and, yes. you're, and you're thinking like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. That's happening. So one thing you can do is if you know about what time he wakes up or you see him stirring and you're thinking like, oh, this is going to happen soon, start turning his sound machine down a little bit okay. so he can wake up a little more gently. Okay. Um. Or it's just because he's a toddler and they just are grumpy sometimes when they're tired. And so I always say, like, bring in all the bribes. I would always go in with, like, our best snack and a cup of milk. And then we would just snuggle together. I would honestly, that was my favorite time with toddlers for snuggling. I would grab them out of the crib. Bring them a sippy cup of milk and a snack and then get a couple books and, like, just snuggle in my bed and read and help them just wake up really slowly or in their rocking chair. I mean, I have all boys, so I, like, force them to cuddle with me. Yeah. know the time is coming when they won't. And so that's a great time to do that. I mean... I, especially when he gets older, you know, that was always our TV show time of like, we're just going to sit on the couch and watch a show so you can wake up a little bit more easily. Okay. A lot of people don't don't like like that. that. Some people don't like it, but you know, we watch TV, not all the time, but we do. And, um, and that was a great time. It's a good way to get in snuggles, but the toddler grumpiness after a nap, I think that's probably is normal at this age. Yes. Okay, okay, yeah. good to know. Yeah, I know. He just – its I swear, like, I mean, he says
0: five to ten words, but if he could make full sentences, yes. I swear it's just, come get me. Yeah. Like, I'm
1: awake. Come get me. I don't want to be up there yes, anymore. totally. Well, and at this age, frustration about communication is so high, and I yeah. think that that is something that, you know, we might assume, like, what's wrong? Something's going on. And they're just so frustrated because – he wants to say something and he can't or he thinks you don't understand. Yes. And that is normal. You're probably that, saying it all it day. It sounds
0: like a frustrated cry yes. too. It's yeah. not it's not really like a whine. It sounds like he's yes. like annoyed or frustrated. He's just annoyed. By something. Yeah, yeah. He's
1: mad. Come get me. I know. <laughs> okay. And I think that's just super normal. That's that's how they that's how they grow and how they express themselves. We want our kids to start to do that, but it is not the most fun growing pains. Okay. Well, that's another opportunity for me to snuggle. So yes. yeah, I'm going to try it. it. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I told you I make my kids snuggle with me. My four-year-old will still fall asleep on me at the beach and I am oh, always, I love, I love it. I'm like, oh great. This is the best.
0: Well, okay. Speaking of the beach, we're going to the beach this weekend okay. and you have given me some of my favorite baby products as recommendations. Yes. So what are your favorite Baby products. I know you introduced us to the Ollie Swaddle yeah. and the Slumber Pod, which has been a game changer in oh terms gosh. of travel. But I also want to know, in addition to that, yeah. do you have any favorite beach products for babies? Okay. This will
1: be our first time going to the beach with them. Oh my gosh, you're going to love it. It's the best vacation with little kids because... They can just run free on the sand. Yeah. There's so much of his life that where you're telling him no, you know, for safety right. reasons. And I feel like at the beach, they can just be free. And it is really fun. Yeah. Um. Okay, Slumber Pod, by far, anytime you're going on a vacation, but especially to like a beach house, they don't have curtains in these houses. I know. Why do they never <laughs> like, have curtains? I don't know. It is so great. When I heard about the Slumber Pod the first time, I just thought like, where has this been? All my life. It is life-changing for travel. It is. I love it. Um, So when we go to the beach, we always, we pack the slumber pod. We still use it with a toddler mattress for Wade. Okay. Um, And it fits right under there. It's perfect. So he can be in any room. He's got his own little dark space. He thinks it's so fun. Um, I love the Ollie Swaddle. My favorite still, and um, I just think that works so so well. Um, yeah, that worked other, really well for us too. Yeah, I I love
0: it. Helps with their temperature. And it's easy. It's yes. foolproof. So easy. I mean, I, I'm pretty proud of Shane. He actually got the swaddling process yes. down pretty well. Yeah. But as soon as we figured out the Velcro situation, we're like, oh what? Why have we been going through all this trouble for yeah. so long? And well, this is way easier. So easy. It's a big square and and big Velcro. I feel like
1: they're snugger in that. Yeah, totally. I I always say it's like your best pair of leggings. Like it yes. keeps you snug in yes. there. Yes with the fabric oh I love it Um, so okay when I go to the beach this is not related to sleep but with a toddler we love to bring a baby pool okay because you can blow it up on the beach put some water in there, you know, bring a bucket yeah. of juice, you she can fill it up and he can just play right there. You guys can just sit nearby and yep. um, we love like a little canopy or shade. Um, obviously we bring our monitor with us. You know, if you're going to be at a house or a condo, it's just so nice to be able to not be in the same space right. as them and be able to keep an eye on them. Um, I think that we really, one of the biggest, it's not like a thing, but one of the biggest tips I have for traveling, especially somewhere like the beach we you're going on vacation is really being mindful of what your baby can do. He's gonna be exhausted, possibly will not be napping as well as he would at home. And so thinking about that, like, okay, if we're not gonna get a great nap or he's just really tired from being out in the sun all day, let's not also push him to a late dinner or a late bedtime really keeping that in mind if we're going to do like a week-long beach trip we'll pick one or two nights where we'll keep the kids up later even as a toddler but otherwise we try to trade off you know get a babysitter things like that so that they are still going down early i can almost guarantee kids always wake up early when you're on vacation it's just a (laughs) part of life yeah slumber pod helps a ton but i feel like just when you're not home they constantly wake up and they're they're less likely to wait contentedly right um So, yeah, so I just really try to balance that early bedtime with what they need okay, um, and try to keep your routine as consistent as possible. Even though it's not a thing, keeping things feeling like home, you know, bring everything you can from home. Bring your sound machine. Bring your monitor if you need it. You know, I still use the same, like, bath products. If we do a bath at night, we're going to still keep that as part of our routine. Same jammies. Um, And then even if you're sharing a room, resist the urge to bring them in bed with you in the middle of the night. A lot of times the first night is a little bumpy. And you can just treat it same way as if he was having a rough night at home, or you go in and sue them, settle them in his pack and play, you know, in the slumber pod, zip it back up, and then lay back down. Once you get through the first night, you'll reap the benefits of that the okay. rest of your trip. Okay. What about when babies are teething? Um, I feel
0: like every time Liam teeths, he wakes up at 3 a.m. for like yeah. a week straight every single night, and... I don't know what's the best thing to do in that situation. Cause I also feel like they're teething constantly yeah, at so least much. at this age. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we just went through this three weeks ago. Here we are. Again. another one. But yep. I can see them coming through. Yes. So I know, and he
1: will gnaw on his finger. So mm-hmm. I know that it's that. Yeah. My nine year old is actually getting molars right now. So I have a renewed appreciation because he, is very vocal about what is bothering him. And so, and you can see them popping through, you know, I feel so bad for him and you do with babies. It's like, it's just a nonstop situation with the teething. I think a couple of things I always try to remember with teething, teething doesn't take away their sleep skills. He still knows how to put himself back to sleep. Um, he's still, it doesn't mean he's hungry, you know, Feeding can be soothing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what he actually needs. Um, But also that he is more likely uncomfortable than in extreme pain. So what science shows us is that most of the time, except for maybe like the two or three days around the actual eruption where the tooth comes through, it's uncomfortable. And that might make it hard for them to fall back asleep. They might wake up a little bit early. They might wake up in the middle of the night. But it's not like my arm's falling off. Okay. So... Keeping that in mind, we try to address it with lots of cold things to chew on during the day. Um, One of my favorites is like my mom's old hack from the 80s to put a piece of ice in a washcloth, like tie it off with a hair tie and let them chew on that. It's cold and the texture is really good for helping their gums. If you use any kind of pain medication, pain is worse at night. So like that's definitely the time to bring it out. Okay. Um, And then I always just try to go in, give them a little bit of reassurance. We're big on soothing in the crib. So keep them in their bed. I love you, it's time to go back to sleep, you know, rub his head, rub his back a little bit, maybe tuck him in with, like, a. at this age, he could have, like, a special toy or something like that. Right. And so tucking him in, help him feel comfortable, and then letting him go back to sleep. Um, Sleep is really, like, any time when we don't feel well, sleep is so healing. Yes. And so helping him, you know, get that is really helpful. Okay. Good to know.
0: What about for those who use a pacifier to soothe? How do you wean your child off of that? And why do you
1: think the pacifier is so controversial? Yeah, um, I think uh, there's two reasons. I do think, and I have never been able to get like a consistent consensus on this from lactation consultants or pediatricians, but the idea that the pacifier can cause nipple confusion, whoever marketed that, it worked. Um, Yes, it did work. I I don't really see a lot of evidence in that. I use pacifier with all my kids. I'm actually a pretty big proponent of it. I think it's a great tool. Um, I can't get like a consistent answer across the board, but um, that definitely is an idea that's out there. And then I think there's a lot of fear around weaning off in that there is a time period where your baby likes the passy, but you have to help them put it in. And a lot of parents want to avoid that. I will say in my experience, majority of kids either use a pacifier or suck their thumb. For me personally, I'd rather be able to throw it away than have to deal with the whole painting situation, like painting their nail or stopping the thumb sucking. So. Okay. I think that um, the way I use a pacifier is just as a tool to soothe. We're really big on feeding your baby, obviously, but feeding is soothing. It's not necessarily the way we always want to soothe, and the pacifier can help replace that. Babies have a really strong sucking reflex, a need for sucking. And so the pacifier is great in that situation, you know, in the middle of the night, sometimes you just need something Yes, and, and it can be so helpful. Um, by like six months, I'm only offering the pacifier in the crib and maybe in the car. That's okay. kind of even the beginning of weaning off of it. You only get the pacifier if you are sleeping pretty much. Okay. And then I like to wean off between 12 and 18 months. They still have a very high drive to sleep. We're still getting lots of napping really solid 12 hours of sleep at night because if you wait too long you might drop the pacifier and drop your nap at the same time right and that can be really challenging i always hate when that happens but it's just a fact that that might happen so between 12 and 18 months honestly we just drop it cold turkey they're too young for like the pacifier fairy trade in your passies or anything like that and so we just it just disappears and it's gone one day and we move forward with our life i think that it's a great tool and during like four to five months old when they probably like it, but they can't put it back in on their own. Right. We try to help parents with strategies about how to work through that, You know, whether that is giving them a little space, keeping extras in the crib, and obviously working on teaching them how to put the pacifier into their mouth on their own.
0: That's yeah. a really
1: short window for a tool that is helpful and like I said, you throw it away. Can't get rid of that thumb. Yes. I know we got really lucky with Liam.
0: He He's not a thumb sucker, and he got rid of the pacifier on his own That's right amazing. around six or seven months. He just stopped wanting it. That's awesome. And we used it for soothing up until then. And then, we, I mean, we were offering it to him, and yeah. he was crying, and he just spit it out. And so, it. yeah, he didn't want it. And yeah. we are like, OK, so we just stopped giving them to him, and we never had an issue with it, which I think is fairly rare, That's from awesome, what I've though. heard. Yeah. But it made our lives way easier. Totally.
1: Well one thing that you can do this is a really hands-on approach. Um, but if you want to use the pacifier for soothing but you don't want to build a dependence on it, essentially you let your baby almost fall asleep. this would start be starting out as a newborn, almost fall asleep um, with the pacifier in their mouth and then as they're drifting off, you know you can really see I'm kind of getting yes. falling asleep, you pull it out and just put it beside them. so they're using okay. it to soothe, but they're not. You know, you won't run into the whole, like, it falls out, I need to go put it back in. It's super hands-on, but if you're really concerned about your child developing that association, you can definitely do that. Okay. What
0: tips do you have for dads? I feel like such a burden is placed on moms with breastfeeding and all the other things that come along with having a a child and labor and delivery and all those things. But I feel like sleep is something that dads can definitely partake in helping Mm -hmm. with.
1: So what tips do you have for them? Yeah, one thing is I don't think a lot of families realize, especially when working on soothing, dad might have way more success than mom because the feeding is not there. Like, if, even if you're doing formula, there is definitely a little more of a feeding bond between the baby and mom in almost every case, but especially breastfeeding. If dad goes in, baby knows they're not eating. And so they can have a lot more success with with soothing your child without feeding or soothing them in their crib. Um, one of the tips that I really encourage families to do is make a schedule for the nighttime, you know, right when you get home from the hospital. For example, okay, dad's on call from like 7 p.m. to 1 a.m., If the baby needs anything, dad's responsible for that. Maybe he brings baby to the mom to feed, but otherwise, you know, diaper changes, burping, getting the baby back to sleep, that's dad's job. That way mom can get a pretty decent amount of sleep. I always, like, you could do a bottle, but if I had to get up and pump, I'd just as rather nurse. Right. Um, But let dad really be on call for that. And then he could sleep from 1 to 6am or whatever. Everybody's getting a little bit of sleep. Gives us all a little bit more energy. Helps everybody function better. Um, And then my other big piece of advice is actually for moms, but it's about dads, is to give them the space to establish their own bond and their own way of doing things with your baby. So I like to use the story of myself as a cautionary tale. When my (laughs) oldest was born, my husband would be like, okay, I'll put him down. and, And after two minutes, I would hear him fussing and I would just bust in there and say, well, let me take him. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. And, um, that really hindered his ability to figure out what was going to work for him and made him feel super discouraged. And I think as moms, we're just trying to help. You're often spending more time with the baby during the day, especially with all the maternity, paternity leave stuff. Usually you're the one home. And so we're trying to help, but we really knock down their confidence and we show them, Hey, I don't need your help. You show your partner that like, I don't need you to do this. I can do it myself. So they're going to stop offering. Thankfully, my husband told me that. And so I stopped going in there, even though it was very painful for me to know. I could have him asleep in five minutes and, you know, it's been 15. So what I tell moms is get in the shower, drive to Chick-fil-A, you know, put some headphones in, go for a walk, whatever it is. But give your partner, give dad the space to really build their own bond and they're going to do it differently than you are. And that is okay. Your baby is loved and safe with somebody who cares for them so much. And doing that from newborn age is going to have impacts, you know, throughout life I think so many dads just feel like I'm not good with babies but we don't give them the space to really figure it out that's true yeah I feel like you have the motherly
0: instincts and yeah. so when you hear your baby cry you're just so quick to want to fix that right but giving them the space to try to figure it out also creates a really special bond between the two of them totally. so I feel like that's really important and then Shane and I actually did do the the shifts he's a night yeah. owl Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of worked out well for us because he was used to staying up late yeah, anyway that's perfect. so I was able to Get a little bit of sleep, and then eventually I did have to, you know, once I start, I started pumping a little later on. But once I had to start doing that, I would get up and pump, but he would still feed Liam. Yeah. So I was only up for 15 minutes, and that was like a short enough time span for me to be able to go back to sleep really quickly. Totally. And that worked so well for us in the beginning because I actually didn't feel. And and maybe I just like am in the the fog and don't remember, but I didn't really feel super exhausted. Yeah. In the beginning because I was able to get at least like a four or five hour stretch while he was with Liam if Liam needed something. And then we alternated and I'm a morning person. And so I would get up really early
1: and do the whole morning stretch. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, we all need like a little bit of stretch and just the idea that, okay, I can breathe you know, my husband or whoever is holding the baby and, like, I can go to sleep. I don't need to worry about yeah. this. It just helps so much. Even, I would say, like, put the monitor on his side of the bed. You know, yep. you're on call. You got to do this. Yeah. Um. I think that it, it makes such a difference. And, you know, another thing that I know a lot of families do is, like, dad's responsible for all the washing the bottles and the pump parts yes. and all that. If you're the one doing it, like he's going to do all the cleanup. And that can be another way that feels comfortable. I think a lot of times we just don't talk about it enough. We don't communicate, okay, how can this work? And so so much of the burden falls on the mom because it's sort of more natural where it goes. But it really, there are lots of things dad can do. And like I said, when you start working on self-soothing, get him involved because there. I mean, I have dads who just will say like, I'm going to do the whole thing. And it, it can go so smoothly because there's no breast milk involved at all. Yes, yeah. I know. I One of the things that we
0: did with you that I thought was really beneficial in the beginning was the new baby boot camp yeah. where we talked to you virtually. And I feel like that helped us both understand the expectation prior to... Le- we did yeah. a few weeks before Liam was born, but we had this conversation and then after our conversation with you we kind of sat down we're like okay here are our expectations this is how we anticipate totally you know taking shifts and this is what you can help me with or this is what i think would be helpful to me and that that way when liam finally got here which I always say finally because it was two weeks late. I'm like still mad about it, but
1: <laughs> I was so miserable. It's so um, long. Those last two weeks oh, just waiting. Oh, it was so bad.
0: It was bad. Um, but then we were both on the same page. Yes. So, because you're already in that like newborn fog. You've got all these hormones going on. And, and that was was you doing. Yeah, yeah, that's not like
1: a conversation I wanted to have. No. In that mindset. No way. Yeah, I think it's great to prepare for before. Like you said, with the hormones, I mean, you don't even know – what your body's gonna feel like afterwards. Right. And I never wanna scare people who are about to have their first baby, but it is just a different experience than anything you've it ever is. had. And so having some of that stuff already talked about, you know, with your husband or your partner is is so important. Yes. Because I just think that it's nobody knows what you're getting into. And the first couple of weeks are all about survival. But then once you can kind of lift your head up and say like okay how can we really make this work for us? Like we don't want to just be scrambling every day. Working together as a team, I mean, it is so good for your relationship too. It is, yeah. We actually found like a whole new bond yes, together, so, so much Same. through
0: just like teamwork. Yeah, and we had this system that worked great for us, and we felt like we were killing it together. Yes. And we both felt like both, the, you know, each person in the relationship was contributing equally, exactly. And we bonded over that because we felt like we were crushing it as right. my parents. I know. You know? Well, we're like we're, we're killing this. Exactly. We got exactly
1: well, and I think. Everyone's story is different, but when you are first together and you don't have kids, you know, you're kind of like doing your thing and you're each sort of – I mean, you love each other obviously, but you're each kind of out for yourself. Yes. You can focus on getting all your needs met and probably most of your partner's needs met, and that's great. Then you bring a baby in it, and it is something that you've never – you've never had a challenge like this before. Right. Like the ultimate group project. Right. (laughs) And so being able to work on it together is really amazing for your relationship. And it it can be a challenge, but I just always encourage parents – It is so worth it to know what your goals are, make a plan, work through it. It's not going to go perfectly every day, but you guys are going to grow together and your whole family is going to grow. It's just, it can be really great. I know. I I totally agree. We've lived it. Yeah. Great advice. Okay.
0: What are your holy grail must have tips for new parents? Okay. It could be items they have to have in the nursery. It could be just things they should stick
1: to in terms of scheduling. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, which is feels like it's not related to sleep, but my biggest tip for parents is always get feeding established. Get your baby taking full feeds in those first couple of weeks. Do not stress out about – you know, oh, they need to put themselves to sleep, they can't do that. They can learn how to eat. Make sure okay. they eat really, really well. Um, but along the lines of just having a plan, I think that there are certain things that you learn with experience that make life a lot easier. And so one of the ways I like to give people advice is in the middle of the night, how to manage those middle of the night feedings. Um, one big thing that with sleep, I guess this is during the day too, but I especially see it here. We live in the South. It's so hot. Um, when your baby is in your belly, they're used to being 98 degrees and they come out, and we have our air conditioning set on like 68 degrees, they are freezing. So make sure that they are dressed appropriately for bed. Even here in the South, I would say a nice breathable cotton footed sleeper and a swaddle is totally appropriate. Don't have them like just in a little onesie. Most likely they're cold. Um, And so along those lines, I also really like, this is another hack from my mom, which I think is so funny. I'm always was like, I'm never going to do anything my mom (laughs) says, but this was really great. (laughs) Mom's no best. I know. She told me, okay, when you go in to feed the baby, bring your heating pad, keep it on low, take the baby out of the crib, put your heating pad in the crib, feed them, do the diaper change, all that take the heating pad back out, put your hand there, make sure it feels good and then put the baby back in. Oh, that's an awesome tip. Yeah, because think like that middle of the night feeding takes what, 30, 40 minutes? Then you put them on a cold, hard mattress. Of course they hate it. Yeah. So getting it nice and cozy, nothing overwhelming and obviously the heating pad and baby are never in there together. Right. But just keeping their bed warm for them. Help them be comfortable. Um, you know, we do recommend that the room is like sixty-eight to seventy-two degrees. Good yep. airflow. But think about they're learning how to regulate their body temperature. I just think a lot of times babies are chilly. Yes. Um, We actually had that, like, straight out of delivery. Yeah, He had a
0: really hard time regulating his own temperature, so he had to be under the heat lamps for the first couple days.
1: Yeah. And then they recommended that we double swaddled for Yes, for two blankets. Yeah. That's the Ollie is really good for temperature regulation, too. I really like that. Um, So I think sometimes just things like that in the middle of the night, you know, we um, tell people, like, okay, this is the routine that I would go through in the middle of the night for how to do your feeding. You know, take them out, unswaddle. Do half your feed, change your diaper, re-swaddle. Yeah, they're probably gonna be screaming their head off, but they're going to be doing that anyway. Fe- change the diaper, get them back in the swaddle, finish the feed, get a really good burp so that they – finish being cozy instead of finishing on the diaper change. Yeah. Um, you know, those kinds of things really, really help. Um, and then for older kids, one of the things I love, we've talked about a little bit, is the hatch light. I think it is so important. Like you said, right where Liam is right now, he is frustrated because he wants to communicate more with you than he can actually say. Yes. And th- they are so visual, especially boys. I'm learning. Kids are so visual. Um, and the hatch light, using it to signal what you want your child to do is really beneficial. So. We use red for bed. We set it so that whenever they're supposed to be in their bed, it's red and green for go. And it's really simple. I bet that Liam already can pick up on that sort of stuff even at his age. And then it sets really, really great healthy sleep boundaries for as your baby gets older. As they get into toddlerhood, preschool age, elementary school, they still know... Okay, I might wake up at 6 30, but I don't get to get up until 7 30. You know, I'm not just popping out of my bed. Setting those boundaries, yeah. I think it's a great visual cue for kids to use. And I also like to mention I love the hatch products, but get the rest. Not the rest plus they still have to are working out some bugs. Okay. It seems amazing, but from what I've heard, still the original rest is the way to go. Okay. That's the one we have. I'm yeah. gonna start doing it. Yeah. That's I, something I can implement literally tonight. Yeah. So. Yeah, he I think it makes such a difference. And I always tell parents as we as other kids grow, we learn the benefits of boundaries and setting really easy boundaries right now while the crib is his main boundary. Yeah. It really helps as your child grows. And so using that little visual reminder, you're in the crib, red for bed, cream for go. And it, I think it makes a big difference. That's awesome. Okay, a book, a podcast, a resource. Leave yeah. us
0: with something for new moms or yeah. new parents. It doesn't yeah. have to just be a mom. But. I
1: think that um, I think there are so many great resources out there. Um, we talked about the SNU. I actually think their book, Happiest Baby on the Block, is incredible. It okay. does a great job explaining what is going on with your baby during that fourth trimester time period. Um, I love that book. I love to recommend it. For older kids, I think that a great resource is Big Little Feelings um, on Instagram. Okay. They're really cool. Cool account about parenting, and I follow thing, them. They're great. And yeah. one of the things that I realized is that parenting started way younger than I expected. You know, at first, with the baby, you're just managing their needs, but actually transitioning to parenting starts really early and it helps you know how to deal with what's going on. I think when kids are little and they have sleep problems, it's often directly related to something going on in their schedule, in their day, right. in their ability as they get just a little bit older, you know, even 12 months old, it might be related to their emotions, their willfulness, you know, their desire to do whatever. And so knowing, you know, okay, this is how I'm going to handle that is really powerful as a parent.
0: That's awesome. I We follow big little feelings, but I need to go back and look a
1: little bit more in depth. Yeah, now you're really getting into the age. Yes, we are. And we can use all of the advice. Yeah, I think it's so helpful. I mean, just to have somebody else also normalizing all the things like – even for me to say like, I have been a mom crying, rocking my baby to sleep, trying to know like, why are you not going to sleep? This is normal. We do not, parenting is is hard and there are other people doing exactly the same thing right in the same spot. Yes. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, so um, you can find us on Instagram at Sleep Consulting. I love to chat about sleep. I love to talk in the DMs about it. You can find tons of awesome sleep tips there. We're always sharing tons of information. And then our website is sleepbabyconsulting.com where you can read about all our packages. We have a blog. You can learn more about our team, all that good stuff. Very cool. Elizabeth,
0: you're amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for
1: having me. I'm
0: going to put you on the spot. Do we want to do a giveaway?
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely will. Um, We can do a shop credit for um, however you want to set it up, but we can do that for sure for your listeners.
0: Okay, let's do if you guys follow Sleep Baby Consulting on Instagram and the Cheeky Bean podcast and then comment what your most recent or what your most favorite part of this episode was. We will
1: do it that way. So that Sounds, sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. Very
0: cool. Thank you. Thanks. All right, guys, you heard Elizabeth. We are teaming up to gift one of you a shop credit to use at Sleep Baby Consulting to help you get your baby sleeping like a champion. All you have to do is tell me your favorite part of this podcast on my latest Instagram at the Cheeky Bean Podcast. Like the post and follow both the Cheeky Bean Podcast Instagram page as well as Sleep Baby Consulting's page. And on that note, we'll see you next time.